I call it luck. In my experience, there's no such thing as luck. Welcome to episode 133 of the Cantabite Dispatch. I'm Emily Lind, and with me, as always, it's my delightful co-host, Brittany Brown. Hi, Brittany. Hello. How are you? I'm all right. How are you doing? I'm doing good for a Monday. That's good. Yes, it is very good. Also, today is the day that The Bachelorette has been announced. Claire Crawley will be our bachelorette this season, and I am so excited. I mean, our is is fairly uh, loaded there, but okay. Yes, I feel like The Bachelor and The Bachelorette have been going for very young people. Like, I think The Bachelor this season is like 26 and like that's so young you know to want to get married too like I can't imagine getting married two years from now you know I'm going to be a different person two years from now you know working on my career and you know having a great relationship with my boyfriend like I I can't put marriage that soon I would also say that maybe your marriage shouldn't be decided on spending a couple weeks with somebody on a reality TV show. You know, it works like 2% of the time because there are a couple of couples that have made it successfully since their airing of The Bachelor or Bachelorette. And how many seasons of the show have there been? Too fucking many. But I like Claire. She's 38 years old. She's she wears her heart on her sleeve. She's funny. She has like six sisters. She's a hairstylist. Like she just is a good person. And I'm excited to see her find love this season. I mean, it's nice that it's somebody who's not in their 20s. I know. They're trying to do like they a couple seasons ago, they had um, someone named Ari who was on Emily Maynard season. And that was like all the way back in like 2013. I think it was around 2013. It was like early 2010s. And he's now one of the most hated bachelors because he was the one that proposed to one chick. And then he's like, oh, hey, I still have feelings for the other chick. I'm going to break up with you for her. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. That wasn't very nice. But I don't know. I, I have hope because this season of The Bachelor is not very great. So hopefully, I always enjoyed The Bachelorette more than The Bachelor. I've watched like some of it. But then I just like end up hating everybody and it makes me uncomfortable and I stop watching. Yeah. I feel like that's why I gravitate more towards like The Bachelor or The Bachelorette more is because you know these women are so good at finding like the assholes and being like get out of here and get get the fuck out of my face. Like Becca like sent home someone who like week three told her that he was in love with her and she's like I don't know man I don't think I'm on the same page you know what we have is okay but you know I'm just not confident I see you at the end and as she's walking him out he's like oh by the way I didn't mean anything I said I just thought that's what you wanted to hear (laughs) she's like what (laughs) get the fuck out But you watched yeah. something else this this weekend. I did. Also, if anyone is also part of Bachelor Nation, please let me know. I'd love to have more Bachelor, Bachelorette conversations. But yes, I watched an American classic today at work called The Dolphin Tale, or A Dolphin Tale, as known by some people. And it was starring our American hero, Harry Connick Jr. How was it? It was a heartwarming and enthusiastic movie with a great cast. The dolphin played herself. Winter the dolphin was actually in the movie. I would say like 75% of the time, like 25% of the time she was CGI. Now this is about a like the dolphin, like their 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 tails messed up, and then they make the dolphin a tail. Is that what this movie is? Yeah. So basically, uh, the kid Sawyer is on his way to summer school because he's doing really bad in school because he hates school, and he sees some fishermen. He's like, "Hey, there's a dolphin here. Help me. Do you have a cell phone on you?" And then. The kid becomes invested in winter. Then winter ends up having to get her tail removed because of blood circulation or something doesn't go to the tail. Um, Then it's like Harry Connick Jr. is the dad of one of the little girls that works at this um, marine aquarium. And his name's Clay. He looks like such a clay in this movie, but like he's such a nurturing father and he's so good to the dolphins and he's so good with Sawyer, you know, letting him into the dolphin family. Like, and it's just, it's so heartwarming to see. And then Sawyer becomes like more invested in like marine biology. And then he doesn't have to go back to summer school because he'll just write like an essay or something saying that all the stuff he's been doing for this marine aquarium. And then Morgan Freeman is in it for a hot second because he helps create the tale for winter because I believe, um, where does he work again? Um, so... Sawyer has a cousin, and his cousin was going to go 
to, I believe it was the Marines, and he gets really injured, and he's at a Navy hospital. Yeah, he's in the Navy, never mind. And he messes up his leg really bad, and um, there you meet Morgan Freeman, who works with amputees and everything, so he helps make Winter's Finn. That's how he is in the movie, because I was thinking, what's Morgan Freeman doing here? And he gives this like great speech to Sawyer's cousin, because Sawyer's cousin's like, I'm broken. And then he grabs a, a glass cup and he puts it on the, he drops it on the ground and it shatters. He's like, that's broken. You're not broken. And then he wakes up and realizes, oh, I'm going to go help Sawyer with, uh, with Winter. And that's the movie. Just heartwarming fun. Okay. I mean, Morgan Freeman will be in anybody's movie, basically. Yeah, but, you know, I got to give props to Harry Connick Jr. Like, he led the film. Like, he was the father of the film. You know, even though that he said that Sawyer was kind of the father to Winter, like, he's smart. He knows things. He works for this for this center and like at first like they were going to sell it to like build another hotel because I guess this area was perfect for a hotel even though the hurricane like had just hit like two days before but then they planned this like little fundraiser so that they can pay for winter's tail and then so everyone because a lot of people are like coming by being like hey we heard about winter and she becomes like this like pop sensation so that was heartwarming Okay, Dolphin's Tale, a movie I will never, ever, ever watch. And I have got to say, after watching a couple of Harry Connick Jr. movies, this one is my favorite. <laughs> All right. And by a couple, you mean two, right? Yeah, exactly. The one in, the one in, the one in which you do not remember him, and now this one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's yes. And next. Okay, yes. what's the next one? The next one is Dolphin Tale Two, and I've already I'm already halfway through, and I've I've got to say a little sneak peek to my uh, review of that is Harry Connick Jr. is bad in this movie. He's bad dad. What? But he's like the same character. Yeah. Right? So why did he become yeah, bad? Yeah, he is, but because he's making terrible decisions for winter. Oh no! Poor I, I can't elaborate more. I know. Hopefully, Winter will be fine. I, he just—he's overwhelmed with a lot of stuff that had just uh, gone on. I don't want to go far too into it because that's next week's review. Is he like doing a bunch of heroin or something? No, I don't think he is. He just—he's—he's he's going through something. I think I don't know. Like there was just something really traumatic that happened at at the dolphin place and something happened to one of the dolphins and you, you know just I like, heartbreaking I, stuff I like the idea that Dolphin Tale 2 is about Harry Connick Jr.'s crippling heroin addiction and him like selling winter to buy heroin <laughs> if only but also um there is a star character in this film and another fi- and um Dolphin Tale 1 and 2 and is a pelican. 
Oh, I don't like pelicans. And he is the cutest pelican, follows everyone around. And then in this, in the second one, they like rescue a turtle and he's like best friends with the turtle. Like he's like the turtle's bodyguard. I don't know. I've always had such like a fascination with pelicans. Like I just think they're so cute and they're just, they're ready to do anything. Like they're very dependable creatures. What the shit are you talking about? (laughs) I don't know. Like they just seem like they're, they have good hearts. Based on your vast experience of interaction with pelicans? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I don't I don't know how to respond to that, but okay. That's okay. I'm I'm glad that you are enjoying your Harry Connick Jr. outings. And I hope that they continue. I do too. I'm very eager to finish a Dolphin Tale 2. I I wish there was a Dolphin Tale 3, but maybe you can don't maybe you can start that you can one. start that petition. Get some billboards. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I personally would love to see Harry Connick Jr. reprise his role as Clay. Because it's just, it's so iconic. And he just fits the part so well. Especially in the first movie where just randomly he just grabs a saxophone and has this like saxophone solo. Like that is just so Harry Connick Jr. to me. Oh my god, I was going to ask if he sang in the movie, but that's even better. (laughs) Just it's this, you know, lonely night and he just gets out the saxophone. He's like, you know. You like you do. <sighs> well, I can't wait for next week to review Dolphin Tale 2. And I can't wait, you know, for the next film. I think I need recommendations on what Harry Connick Jr. film to do next. Okay. Well, we'll have to consult our Harry Connick Jr. super fans and, and see what they have to say. Mm-hmm. I think you should do Hope Floats. What's that about? Uh, Sandra Bullock. Being Sandra Bullock, basically. Sounds like another Dolphin Tail movie. I think like he's the the lead in that one with Sandra Bullock. I think it's like their romance. Okay. I'll give that a go. <sighs> so, Emily, um, how is pre-wedding life you know, treating you? You know, I'm very sad. And my feelings have been greatly hurt. I went to listen to The Geek Dudes, a podcast that we both very much enjoy and recommend, hosted by my fiance, Chris Fresh, and <laughs> Jonesy and Mitch. And this week, there there were some serious issues that we need to talk about. 
And long-term listeners of the show might think, oh, it's going to be fuck you, Chris Fresh. No, it's not. I mean, it is a little bit. It's always a little bit fuck you, Chris Fresh. He's not innocent in this. But to my shock and horror, it is to his co-hosts who we must look to for the real, real problems this week. And that, that is, that's bad. Very sad. I mean, Jonesy called me a gold digger. Mitch said I was immature. There's a lot going on this week. I mean, maybe, maybe they're just jealous. Maybe they wanted to marry fresh, but they couldn't. (laughs) Yeah, you think that's it? They couldn't get him off the bench. You can. You did. You came. You conquered. I don't know the rest. (laughs) But maybe it's just a lot for them to handle, you know? Because it's like, you know, they knew Chris Fresh, you know, two weeks ago. Like, normal, normal Chris Fresh. And now they're talking to engaged to be married Chris Fresh. I mean, that's that's a change. Yeah, maybe that's it. I mean... And here's the thing, is we have been... We've said a lot of shit about Chris Fresh in this show. So if he wants to say shit, that's that's okay. And Jonesy, Jonesy I'll accept a little bit, because we hammered the whole horse-born thing pretty hard. So, okay, he can take a shot at me and say that I'm marrying Chris for his toy collection. Although, if I were going to marry somebody for their toy collection, I would go with something with, no offense to Chris, but maybe less wrestling figures and Ninja Turtles. But whatever. But, I mean, are are He-Man figures even, like, worth? I mean, I, I imagine some of the vintage ones are worth quite a bit. Not as much as, like, the original Star Wars vintage, but I know that some of them are quite expensive. And you just have to look at the pure volume of stuff that Fresh has. That it's got to add up to quite a bit of money. I mean, was that something you thought about before getting engaged to Chris no. Fresh? No. I'm not a gold digger. I guess a toy digger, collector digger, however you want to say it. It was an attack on my character. I don't appreciate it. But again, we've said we've said some not nice things about Jonesy, so that's fine. But we have never been anything but super complimentary about Mitch and his wonderful hat collection. Even when like Chris gives him shit about his hats all the time, I think his hats are delightful. And it's just it was that was a bit of a shock. Because all right. So they were asking for questions on Geek Dudes, and I sent them a Fuck, Mary Kill. And Mitch says that Fuck, Mary Kill is immature. And I'm not, look, I'm not going to argue about that. So, just, sure, that's fine. It definitely is. But guess what? Anthony Mitchell, look at the show that you're on before you start throwing stones in your very fragile glass house. Have you listened to your own show? I mean... 
the number of times that I've heard you guys talk about masturbation, the frankly, the number of times that I've heard masturbation and my own name mentioned is question the maturity of your show. Also, your co-host every episode almost farts directly into the microphone. So, you know, there are people I'm going <laughs> to be okay with calling me immature. If Tom Chansky wants to call me immature, I would take that hit. Even like even even Steel Saunders, I would take that from. I'm not I'm not taking it from you, Mitch. No, no, no. The fact that your microphones are so close to your face, and what you're doing to these microphones, is just nightmare fuel, and calling. Emily immature for wanting to do a fuck Mary kill when you just you sit there and you laugh when your co-host and friend farts into a microphone. I just can't comprehend that. Yeah. Yeah. So feelings very hurt there. I felt deeply betrayed. Um like I I don't know. That's fine. You know, like, whatever. I thought that Mitch was the nice one, but apparently not. And my, let's talk about my beloved fiance, Chris Fresh himself. Yeah, might as well. Who has decided to give me more shit about the fact that I used the phrase masturbatory index rather than spank bank a couple of weeks back. And called it like mechanical and cold. And no, I'm going to, I'm going to, this is a hill I will die on, which is fun for a term that I made up at the spur of the moment that was never used before. But here's why the reason I don't like spank bank, it's not because it's flippant, it's because like the rhymy cutesy thing is not something that you need to go along with masturbation. Those two categories that I want to be separate. And masturbatory index is not, it's not mechanical. It's not cold. It's not clinical. It is born from a joy of reading and books and the convenience of like an index. You want things categorized. So when you are in a mood for a certain person or topic or theme, then you go to the index of a book to figure out where that is. And I think that's a perfectly acceptable metaphor for a collection of fantasies that you use to pleasure yourself. I agree 100%. And I don't, I like it. Like I would use that everyday life because it just, it seems so classy and I just don't understand how your fiance would find it cold and en not endearing. Like you both need communication to talk about these things before one of you goes onto a podcast and possibly ends the engagement fresh. What I've been working for for weeks. You're fucking this up. Stop. He wants to plan a wedding. God damn it. I swear to God fresh just talk to your fiance just guys just, just sit down have a conversation 
of the things you maybe like and dislike, you know, and try to find a happy medium and possibly fix these issues so that it can make your future partnership and, and have a talk with your little fucking buddies there and their rudeness yeah that is a difficult thing when you're called a gold digger by your fiance's brothers it's not good I don't know. I mean, I feel like with time and some communication and effort, we can cross this path and get across the hurdles and shake each other's hands at the end of the day and say that we conquered this beast of communication or miscommunication. Look, we're not we're not calling off the wedding yet, but there there are definitely some issues that need to be worked out. Yeah. But I'm confident that we will fix these issues before the big day. I mean, we still have a lot of planning to do. I mean, we need to figure out. They never even talked about where, what they what they want to do for the bachelor party. God, that's a terrifying prospect of a bachelor party. Yeah. Maybe they can go to like Cancun or something. That sounds fun. Are they travelers, though? Like, do they travel, like, outside of Australia? You know, I'm surprised they haven't put it, like, a Disney resort in Australia yet. They should get on that. You should suggest that to them. For a second, I thought that I should suggest that to the geek dudes so that they could create their own Disney theme park, but I don't even know what that would consist of. I mean, it's going to be adults only. You know how um, I think sometimes in the parks they have like a picture or they have like a sculpture of like Walt. Mm hmm. And it's like him standing with Mickey or something. Like, I think this park needs a sculpture of Fresh on a bench. (laughs) (laughs) So you could take pictures with Fresh on the bench. That's a good idea. I like that idea. Thank you. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully we can resolve these issues and we can all be friends again. But for right now, my heart is very sad that people I thought were my friends would would say these things about me. Yeah, I mean, people disappoint you sometimes and it's always just so hard to, you know, get through all that. But I don't know, I have, I have hope that everything will be resolved before the wedding. Hopefully. When I wouldn't want, you know, to have a sad wedding day. I mean, if not, I think Harry Connick Jr. is available. You can maybe marry him. Okay. That's definitely an option. I'll keep that in mind. 
You just sub him in at the last second. Yeah. Happens all the time. Yeah, that's how marriage works. <laughs> uh, should we talk about some Star Wars? Uh, might as well. So, let's see. This is one of those things that was fun to watch and immediately be like, no. And it was reported that uh, some of the season two additional directors were going to be Robert Rodriguez, um, Bryce Dallas Howard coming back for another episode, and James Mangold, uh, previously rumored to be doing a Boba Fett movie that never happened. Not the Josh Trank Boba Fett movie that never happened, a different one. And um, Ron Howard retweeted it, and James Mangold tweeted him back being like, um... I mean, yay if your daughter's directing another episode, but I'm definitely not. And I haven't heard confirmation about Robert Rodriguez either way. So I don't know. And there it might be out there, but James Mangold is not directed in Mando t- season two episode. Which is same because I very much like him. He did Logan and that's a very good movie. Was it him that was going to take over Indy 5? Yes. And that might be like something where some of these wires got crossed. Probably. I mean, I'm glad that Bryce Dallas Howard's coming back. And Robert Rodriguez is in interesting choice i've liked quite a bit of his stuff um he's got kind of a weird career but i'm totally down for that but the mangled one was just interesting because that was like announced as like fact and he's then he's just like oh, i've never even been in talks to do this that was so pure him and Ron Howard, like, having that conversation. Like, hey, man, congrats to your daughter, but it ain't me. And he's like, oh, okay. Yeah, and Ron Howard is like, oh, I'm sorry. You know, I was just being a really <laughs> proud dad. And then James is like, oh, no, I mean, I, you know, there's no way you would have known this. I just <laughs> didn't. I, he was just like, I just, you know, you have a lot of followers, and I wanted to correct that before it spread any further. Yeah, that's so cute. But... I do want to start hearing more about Mando season two. I mean, I know it's months away still, but I want it. Me too. I don't even know if they're filming it or what they're doing with it, but I'm excited. That first season is so good. It is. I mean, definitely we'll get a panel or something at Celebration, so... Can't wait for them to announce celebration things in the next couple months. Yeah. Have you bought your flight yet? No. I still don't know, like, when I'm coming. I gotta figure that out. Okay. That's fine. Um... Another thing that happened this weekend is at 
C2E2, that um, con slash expo, whatever you want to call it, they dropped some early copies of the novelization of The Rise of Skywalker by Ray Carson. And because we live in an awful hellscape, she immediately started getting all kinds of shitty abuse and stuff on Twitter. Why was she getting that? Well, I'm not sure where all of it's coming from. Um, I know some of it was from pissed off Raylos. I'm sure some of it is from other people who somehow had it in her head that this book was going to fix all the problems they had with the movie, even though, you know, it's the novelization of the movie and she might be able to add stuff and flesh stuff out, but she can't, you know, substantially change what the story was. So if you don't like the story, you're still probably not going to like the story. But yeah, she was getting like a whole bunch of, of terrible shit. That's extremely unfair. I'm sorry that she went through all that. Like that's, it's ridiculous that someone, you know, working so hard on writing a novelization of a film. I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that, but that's just fucked up. Like, yeah, real. Yeah. And she tweeted about it some, and then uh, Tom, who is an editor at Daure, had this tweet that I don't remember exactly what it is. I'm not going to look it up, but it was like, you know, I wish I could say that the fandom like reputation hasn't stopped new and exciting writers from taking on Star Wars books. I really, really wish I could say that. And yeah, that's sort of where where we are is that people are people who want to write Star Wars books and, and would happily write Star Wars novels are not doing it because they don't want to deal with how gross the fandom is. Uh, and one of the people who respond to that is um, N.K. Jemison, who is a, I mean, absolutely f- fantastic, like Hugo Award winning sci-fi writer and she responded being like yep and so that yeah it sounds like she had been offered one or had been talked to about it and decided not to and that is really both sad and infuriating I just don't know how we can fix this because you know I know you and me and you know a bunch of Star Wars fan, other Star Wars fans are you know, happy of all the content that we're getting right now. And I just don't get the need for these people to go online and say these nasty things to people who are sitting here working hard. This is probably her dream sitting here and, you know, writing books, getting information together, getting every little detail. Like, I just don't fucking get it. Like, some some of these people are awful who are just sitting here and saying all this shit. I mean, I had no idea, you know, cause I, I saw on Twitter 
that, you know, the fans are doing something again. I'm like, oh, fuck, what are they doing again? Because it just, it's always, it's always something with Star Wars fans. I hate saying it, but just, it sucks to see. Like, it sucks to see not only that happening, but big people in fandom, like, enforcing it. You know, I'm not saying, I don't know, just this behavior shouldn't be tolerated. And how do we eliminate it? I mean, I don't think that we do, unfortunately. Like, I think on like an individual level, there's just, I don't know if there is anything that we can do. That just truly sucks then, because all of these people who are sitting there saying all these awful things are, you know, making, you know, you and me as fans look bad because, you know, you know, people have their opinions on Star Wars fans and, you know, this could be their opinion that, you know, either, uh, I don't know, it's just, it's hard to talk about because it's just, it's, it's infuriating. It's just, I don't know. It's really fucking gross. Um, especially because it is disproportionately um, women and people of color, and specifically women of color, who are being attacked and like granted i mean absolutely not the only one the fact that you know like look at look at chuck wendig and ryan johnson and like the abuse they still get on an hourly basis but it is definitely worse if you're you know a woman or a black woman or any minority and like I, i i just don't know I don't know either. And that truly makes me sad. But, you know, also it makes me thankful of, you know, how much good we have in this community. You know, we have people like Steele who always post like such positive, you know, posts and videos and podcasts and everything. And we have like Pablo Hidalgo and we have just like all of these people out there who you know, even though all this shit is going on, you know, they're still positive. They're still, you know, out there creating content and not letting terrible people get them out of here, basically. I don't know. Yeah. No, like, I totally, I totally understand why people wouldn't want to take on that risk like why would you possibly decide to subject yourself to that yeah the internet can truly be an awful place and I can't imagine like people going into public and what these fans might do outside of you know twitter you know just the possibilities of all these like awful things that like could happen like it's scary yeah it's really i don't know like i wish i had some sort of optimistic take on how it's going to get better but 
I don't know that it is. Me neither. Um, I mean, on that downer of a fucking note, uh, hey, Clone Wars. Hey, Emily. What'd you think? God damn it. I thought if I were hosting the episode that I could avoid this. Did you watch the Clone Wars? Yeah, I did. What did you think? This is episode two, by the way. Yeah. I I loved... I, I just love how there's just so much... There's a big difference between... You know, the 2015 Bad Batch arc and this arc. Because, you know, that little scene. Okay. I swear to God, like, I don't know if it's just, you know, because I've been in Star Wars fandom, you know, in this fandom for like a couple of years now. So it's like I'm catching on to things, you know, more than I did when I was a little more of just like a casual Star Wars fan, I feel like every time Anakin and Padme have a scene together, like part of me is like, oh, this is so cute. But then part of me is like, that fucker kills her in like two months. (laughs) Yeah. Like, it's hard for me to sit there and be like, oh, this is such a cute scene. But then it's like, I have all these questions in my head. Like, she obviously looks pregnant. Like, how the fuck does he not see that or feel that? And then I'm asking myself, oh, they're having this moment. And it's like, they're having a good moment. You know, they're having a conversation about Rex. And, you know, they both bring up good points. And it's like, you know, their marriage seems solid right now. But then you go back to, oh, shit. Like, he he kills her and a bunch of Jedi in, like, a couple months. But I thought that was cute. I thought it was cute, too, when Obi-Wan, like, was like, you should tell the senator I said hello. Like, ah, that's what I miss. Just snarky-ass Obi-Wan. I like the clones, too. Um, I thought it was a little triggering seeing, um that clone after you know they released him because you know basically echo is a prisoner of war and that was that was hard to watch it's pretty fucked up for a kid's cartoon it is like in like the the detailing of like you can see you can see his bones like that that just hit me that, you know, where this, you know, cartoon is going. I don't know. It just, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot for a kid's cartoon. Like, I felt like a little, like, uneasy after, you know, watching that. Like, my grandfather was a prisoner of war. And that just brought back, like, you know, all those memories, all the stories and everything. And, you know, seeing this in a kid's cartoon, like, I, I don't know. What do you think? Yes. Um, I think if I gave a single damn about any of these characters, I would have found it good. But I don't, so I don't. Yeah. That's fair. Well, it's fine. And, like, I get 
that I should feel something at the end of that episode. And I'm like, there's sort of a little bit of something there. But I just, I just, I don't, like, the show just leaves me blank. Yeah, that's understandable. And, and honestly, at this point, I don't know how much of it is. I've never liked the Clone Wars. I mean, I say never. I watched started watching it like two years ago, but I mean, I have no affection for the show. And how much of it is like residual, like Mandalorian aside? I need a fucking Star Wars break because I hate Rise of Skywalker, and it made me dissatisfied with the whole like franchise, and so it makes it hard to get into anything. I'm sorry. I mean, look, it is like it is what it is. Like I don't, I don't begrudge anybody liking this show. I just, it just, like none of it connects with me. Especially like the this this particular like come back to this particular arc. I'm just sort of like, well, you know, maybe if like I knew. If I could look at the Clone Wars and go, okay, we're getting, after all, get through this arc, and then we'll get, like, an awesome Ventress story. Then that would at least give me something to care about and to look forward to. But since I know, I know we're not even getting that, it's sort of like, well, there's n- none of the things that I actually liked about the show here. So why am I bothering? Besides the fact that I do a podcast where we talk about it. Exactly. And I commend you for doing that because, you know, obviously seeing how much the Rise of Skywalker like hurt you and, you know, affected, you know, how you feel about, you know, Star Wars and everything. Like, I appreciate and respect that, you know, you're watching the Clone Wars, but also like I would respect if you didn't want to watch the Clone Wars every week, but you still do that, which, you know, I greatly appreciate because I know that it's you know, that you don't connect with it. And it's hard to sit there and watch something and where you just, you know, don't feel any connections to it. Like, I watched this because, you know, it reminds me of, you know, when I was younger and how I was first getting into Star Wars and finding the Clone Wars, like, so intriguing and interesting. And, you know, seeing this arc, too, is interesting because... You know, you see the clones in battle and everything, but you don't see the clones, you know, how they're acting like with the Bad Batch, you know, and getting to know these different troopers and seeing Rex and how, you know, finding Echo is, you know, affecting everything for him, which is rare for a clone or to see a clone, you know, get so invested into a mission. Like, it's very interesting and it's very different from what we have gotten from, you know, the Clone Wars, you know, the past couple seasons. Like, I feel like these two episodes of the Clone Wars have been such more emotional for me than, you know, because I, I don't know. I just I feel like they're putting like so much effort into these episodes and I really respect it. And it's just so cool, like finally seeing it. But at the same time, like, I don't know. I, I feel for you. Like, I'm I'm sorry that you're not connecting with it. 
I mean, it doesn't matter. It's just not fucking for me. That's fine. Yeah. So, was there anything in this episode that, like, um, that you questioned or that you, that, like, irritated you or anything? I mean, just, yeah, most of it. I just... <laughs> like, I find I find the Bad Batch to be really irritating. Like, they're, they're like, such tropey, cliched characters that I just, I'm, like, it's just eye-rolling. Yeah, but Dave created them. You know who else Dave created? whole bunch of irritating fucking people? No, that Toro guy that Steel keeps talking about. God damn. Steel and his fucking Toro, like, obsession. It's, f- it's fairly unbearable. I would personally love to see at uh, Star Wars Celebration Anaheim Steel interviewing him. <laughs> yeah. It would be like the Jedi Padawan finally meeting his master. Yeah, well, so hopefully that can happen. Fingers crossed. Hopefully, because, you know, I've I've known Steel for a couple of years now, and Steel's fallen hard for to- Toro, and it's it's just so beautiful to see, you know, just how much admiration he has for him. Yes, it's very, it's very um, pure, and definitely not at all done to get reactions from people on the internet. Oh, of course not. This is all from the heart. Uh, so touching but I don't know Um, it's kind of interesting you know with this arc because I vaguely remember like how it ends but at the same time it's like they're changing changing it up a little bit like I don't remember Anakin being in this arc as much as he is now so Maybe they're just doing it because it's like, you know, they, they want to bring back Anakin and they want to show off his new look, his uh, Revenge of the Sith hair. And I don't know. We got to see Obi-Wan for a second. I even remember seeing Obi-Wan in the Bad Batch arc, but it's been years since I watched it. So I'm always excited watching a new episode of The Clone Wars, but then it just goes by so fast and I feel like I just like forget about it until it's like, oh yeah, we have to record it in Clone Wars, but... I'm happy it's back. I'm happy, you know, we get just a little something every week and we get to talk about it. And, you know, when the Clone Wars ends, you know, we can, you know, move on to the next Star Wars or the next material that, you know, we can discuss. Like, there's always going to be Mendo movies. There's always going to be Harry Harry Connick Jr. movies. There's always going to be wedding inspiration conversation I mean, I, mean, like, I mean maybe we'll see how it goes with the wedding someone's getting married either you or me <laughs> or i don't know we'll plan a wedding for someone 
I don't know. If you want me to plan your wedding, email us at cantobypod at gmail.com because I need to do something. I'm I'm restless here. Just give me something to do. <laughs> I mean, that's basically how my engagement to Fresh came about in the first place is you wanted something to do. Yeah, there we go. But, I mean, there are worse reasons to get married. I mean, there's definitely better reasons to get married, but there's certainly worse ones. I don't know. I mean, I think this fits. You know, it's, it's two people get along great. You know, they have, they form this friendship through rival podcasts. Like- <laughs> Rivals, yes. <laughs> great. All because someone started listening to our old episodes and thought that we're a little dirty. Look where we are now. We're not that dirty. I'm not saying we're not dirty. I'm just saying we're not that dirty. We're certainly not dirtier than them. We aren't. Like, I don't know why they keep, like, throwing that at us. No, we're not. You know, like, I was going to post, like, my my family and I... My family and I took these nice professional pictures at the beach the other day. And I was going to post one of them on on Twitter. And do you know why I did it? Is it because you're worried about Eric Strathers banging your mom? Because I don't want you guys to get divorced (laughs) before you get married. I don't think that's called a divorce. But okay a separation i don't want to cause any separations i mean i do think you could ask for a worse stepfather than eric struthers but i love eric struthers i gotta see him in a couple months i'm so happy yay it's my mom's birthday around celebration too so Uh oh he better start looking for gift ideas i know Yeah, I don't know. And I'm still talking my sister into coming to celebration too, maybe for like a day or two. So maybe that'll get fresh to come. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, is Mitch going? No. Mitch isn't that into Star Wars. Oh, really? No, I mean, he like thinks it's fine, but he's not like into it, into it. So would you say he's more into hats than Star Wars? Yeah, probably. The hat fandom. And normally this would be where I'd be very complimentary about his hats, but right now, nope, my feelings are too hurt. I can't even find anything nice to say. And I'm the positive one. Deeply, deeply hurt and disappointed. Hopefully they have a redemption arc. (laughs) And then they all die? That's how it works, right? No, not with the geek dudes. Because then there's no podcast. Okay. Well, Well, but then the geek dudes can turn into the geek dudettes. Because there's Lady J... 
the girlfriend of Jonesy. There's you, Emily, the fiance to Chris Fresh. And maybe we can find Mitch's wife somewhere and get her on and you guys can start your own legacy. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That sounds like a good idea. Sounds definitely like it would work. And we'll just pick up all their old bits and everything. Or maybe I could find someone to marry <laughs> Mitch. No. Oh, no. Oh. I don't know. I like where this is going. <laughs> I don't know what our um, podcast is. Um. Uh... The Outsider, I guess. Yeah, what do you think? This is episode eight, I want to say, that we watched. Yes. Yes. This is where the show goes, like, full on, hey, by the way, you're watching Stephen King. Yes. Like, got some fairly, like, gross, gruesome shit. The, um, we are finally fully going to, 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 like, see this thing and what it's doing. And we're going to get Ralph totally on board. Reluctantly, but still. So this starts with Claude, the bouncer, who is the guy we know that the creature is going to take his form next, has been super like jumpy and paranoid. We know that he quit his job at the strip club, and now he goes, he leaves town, to go visit his brother, who is also an ex-con and who has some anger issues. And Holly decides that her plan is to find Claude, to ensure that Claude has a super solid alibi. And the, the hope is to like expose this creature enough that it can sort of like they can get it on the run and and panicked and then like maybe be able to I mean I don't know quite that they they are not entirely sure what this plan is it's not very well thought out but they know they gotta they gotta watch on for Claude so Holly is gonna go. Andy, of course, is going to go. Uh, Agent Eunice, who is the um, Georgia Bureau investigation guy. And then, surprisingly, I mean, not surprisingly in terms of he's the main character on the show, so of course he's going to go. But surprisingly, if you're a character in the show, Ralph agrees to come. <laughs> and... They have the local police in Tennessee where Claude is pick him up to keep him because then he's in police custody and that's a great alibi. 
until they can pick him up themselves. And they all just crash at his brother's house, who is very resentful of this whole thing. And I gotta say, both Claude and his brother, but especially Claude, are very, very accepting of, hey, there's a monster and he's turning into you and then he's going to kill kids. So we have to be here so that you have an alibi so we know that it's not you who killed the kids. I like how it was just one big sleepover. That was very cute. And had some funny moments. Um, We got some great Holly Ralph stuff this episode. Because they are driving to Tennessee together. And Holly is sort of questioning why he's even coming at all if he doesn't believe in this. And... Ralph, Ralph tells this tells this story about how you know the one time he had you know like anything that was remotely like inexplicable about how um, his mother died when he was like only like a teenager and the last conversation they had because she was sick was talking about this song and this jazz song so he he remembers like seeing a record of the song in their basement. So he goes to get the record. And when he comes, when he comes back, she's already died. So then he plays the song and then he never hears that song again until the day his son is born when he's going to the hospital and he's thinking about his mom and, and how sad he is that his mom is never going to meet his kid and then that song comes up on the radio. And he, he he goes to Holly, so so what do you think of that? And she's like, Well, I think that was a coincidence. And then they <laughs> like they like they both just start laughing, and it was such a great little bonding moment between the two. But also I think it 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 actually does help Ralph here realize that Holly isn't somebody who's always going to the spiritual or paranormal explanations that she she didn't just like think oh it must be a monster like that was after eliminating all of the other options yeah I love them together like I, God, we only have two more episodes after this, right? Yeah, I think so. That makes me sad. I like the show. I do too. And I still don't know what the fuck is happening. <laughs> yeah. Um. The So the creature is now looking more and more like Claude. Almost exactly like Claude at this point. It's still a little messed up. And is... Like, Jack's, like, chauffeuring him around and uh, murders a dude for him. And we get this... Th- it, I'm, I'm glad they didn't show... It's more effective because they don't show it, is you're in in the woods after Jack has killed this hunter. And you're the camera's just on Jack. But you hear the sounds of the creature eating this dude. And it's 
<laughs> like, congratulations, Foley artists. It's really disgusting. I hate it. I want this thing to get out of Jack so that Jack can be, like, normal again. But also, like, there, I think... I, I think I can confidently say there's no point of return for Jack. No. Probably not. Um, I mean, he was kind of an asshole anyway. But at this point, he has, you know, like, murdered a guy. That's not good. And... so bad yeah. for Tamika. Because him and Tamika are close. Yeah. And the other thing that's going on in this episode is, so in Tennessee, like around where they are, is this huge system of caves. And this is going to like be important for the climax of our, of our show. But we're seeing this family who is going to some like cave festival, I guess. I forget what it was called. It was some stupid pun, but it's like, yeah, it's like a cave fest where a bunch of people, they're, you know, like all, you know, probably stuff that has a fairly large amount of tourists and campers anyway, but this is like big, like festival party time where there's lots of live music and food and the, the family has been coming to this like every year for years now. And they have a teenage daughter and a young son. And the son is really into the caves and especially wants to see this one where they found like this remains from this saber-toothed tiger. And he's for some reason like wearing this creepy bear mask, looking at a map of the caves. And we see a guy... And a mask come up, and it's the creature in Claude's form, but his face is still a little messed up, so he's wearing this big mask. And he's like, hey, kid, do you want to see a cave where you can see the claw marks from prehistoric bears where they sharpen their claws in the top of this cave? And this kid, now this kid is too old to not know the danger that strangers represent. But the kid's like, yeah, sure, okay, I'll go with you, strange man in a creepy mask. And luckily, his sister sees him walking off with this guy and starts, you know, screaming, help, help, this guy, you know, take my brother. And he stopped and runs off. I don't think I could have handled, like, seeing... Or hearing about like one more child getting harmed <laughs> in any way yeah. in this show. Because yeah. I fucking hate what possibly could have happened to this child. Not even not knowing anything about it. And especially his sister too, because she was mortified that she, you know, she was probably supposed to be watching him and she was talking with some boys. And then I don't know, but that scene where the dad you know tackles him and takes off his mask like oh my god i did like the dad a lot me too and somebody gets it on camera so 
the local police show up at Claude's brother's house, and that's where we end it. Because, I mean, this is the whole reason that, you know, they they came down in the first place is to, to make sure that Claude didn't get railroaded for this. And so we end with them coming out and Ralph seeing this footage. And it's really well done because this episode, like we've had a couple times, Holly being like, first of all, why the fuck did you come if you didn't believe me? And, and Ralph is like, I'm, you know, I'm getting there. I, this is really hard for me to accept. I'm a very logical person. I do not like paranormal shit. I don't believe in it, but I'm getting there. And she's like, you need to hurry the fuck up. And at the end of the episode is him seeing this video, seeing the guy who looks like Claude. And it's great because they don't actually have a line, but Holly looks up at Ralph and Ralph just nods reluctantly. And that's where the episode ends. Oh, and we also see the creature eating, tearing into some thing, like a deer or something. I don't know. It's fucking gross. Like ripping it apart with his hands and eating it. I hate the fucking sounds. Like, I'm so sensitive to, like, chewing. Like, you know, like, I mean, you work an office job, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Duh. Of course you do. Like, do you have, like, office mates? Not currently, but I have in the past. And having people eat is really gross. Because you just sit there and you can hear them chew. Like, isn't that just like a a nightmare? <laughs> I mean, personally, I wouldn't go that far, but it's certainly not pleasant. I don't know. I'm I'm just really sensitive to like sounds and smells for some reason. I don't, I'm just a really sensitive girl. But just hearing those sounds just made me feel like ugh, I, I, I didn't like it. But also like seeing that because we we see the image at the end of the um at the end of the episode, right? Of um the creature like not fully transformed as Claude. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm only asking that because I have seen the other episode. I'm not going to say anything. But I'm amazed that this creature decided to come out not being fully transformed yet. Well, he's very hungry. Hungry we people know that. do bad things. Because apparently the, apparently the hunter that he ate had cancer. And he doesn't like to eat people with cancer. Also, we know that he like he prefers to eat kids. And he, you know, feeds on their sorrow of the families. And he hasn't had that. Okay, that's right. It's coming back to me now. Yeah, um... I it's interesting because I always thought it was mainly children, like that this person only this being only eats children, but it also eats people but prefers children. Like he would rather have the escargot rather than the steak. But I'm interested. I'm interested in this being and if we find out the origins of this being and if it can be stopped. 
because then I think of like it and like how like technically like Pennywise like wasn't stopped until like they came back the second time and like stopped him but like God only knows if he actually stopped him but also spoilers for it chapter two if you haven't seen it yet I don't know you can't give the spoiler warning after you say the spoiler I just don't want Justin to listen and be spoiled again over something. Because I swear to God, he made that joke like uh, last or one of the episodes where I said that. I felt really bad. I mean, look, I I would prefer not to know the origins of the creature. Because... Frankly, the fact that we know the origins of Pennywise and it's like he's an alien, that's kind of dumb and I fucking hate it. I'm fine, like, he's just, he's just a demonic entity. He's bad. That's all I need to know. How how are these people's lives going to go on after defeating this being, like they must fear that something like it will come back and haunt them. And like, that's a really scary thing to put on all these people. Uh, yeah. I mean, it would probably, I was going to say it would involve some therapy, but therapy would be hard because you'd have to find a therapist who didn't think that you were insane. Yeah, that's hard because especially Mendo's therapist who's like, Oh yeah, everything you say will stay here. Like that's a fucking lie. Well, that, I mean, that's even, I mean, Mendo definitely couldn't use that guy because that guy is the guy who has to clear him for his police work. And he might not be like, here's the specifics of what Ralph said in his, in his sessions. That's definitely not going to happen because you would lose your license for that. But he could be like, hey, this guy is definitely not fit for duty. I can't tell you why, but he's super not fit for duty. But will Mendo even go back? Like, maybe Mendo will just retire and be with Jeannie, you know, after all this. Because all this is exhausting and it probably is taking up, like, months and dealing with this probably feel like years and years because of how stressful it is. Well, and you're having, like, your entire worldview changed of what is possible and what exists. That, that's got to just fuck up your head a little bit. Like, if I found out that werewolves existed and were real, I think I think that would substantially change my life. Even if I even 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 if I never had to actually fight a werewolf. If I just found out the werewolves were real, then I have to question a whole lot of other shit in my life. And I, I don't have the emotional wherewithal to do that. I have enough trouble just going through the day when there are no werewolves. But like what if these were like good werewolves, you know, like I mean, even then, it's changing my whole concept of, like, biology and physics, quite frankly. And, I mean, then I got to start wondering if other paranormal stuff is real. And then I have to start wondering if religious stuff is real. There's just a whole, I mean, even if they're, like, super hot werewolves, then it's just, I mean, I don't, I don't want to, like, I don't want to know because... It just, my life is a pain in the ass already. I don't need to have, like, be questioning 
the very basis of reality. That reminds me of like when I was like in sixth grade and it like blew my mind, like that theory about like the tecton or something plates and like how they all thought like all the continents were like all together at one point and like they keep like going apart because of like global warming or something. I don't know. I can't put it all together, but you know what I'm talking about, right? I mean, I think you're, you're, you're uh, putting a couple of different things together there. But yeah, they okay. Wait, yeah, so yeah, they, global warming is a totally separate thing. Yeah, but the idea of of Pangaea, which is there was like a mass supercontinent, and then tectonic plates—that's what it tectonic was. Tectonic plates, and the continents uh, slowly drifted apart. So, guys, we just had a really long discussion about Pangaea that got cut out. But anyway, uh. We're excited for the last two episodes of The Outsider. I'm sad for it to be ending. Well, now I'm sad because everyone's going to be wondering about that Pangea conversation. So I'll just give a quick... It's qu- a lost Pangea conversation. I will just briefly No one will say, ever know. It's the... No, no, it's the mystery of the podcast. Uh, but the Fresh is going to give a shit for cutting something out of the podcast. And I need to explain myself. Cares? Who the fuck cares if Chris Frisch gives a shit? I do. It, you can explain all you want, but I'm just going to edit it out. Okay. So don't bother. It's the it's the it's the lost mystery of Pangea. <laughs> okay, I'll I'll, t- I'll take it. <laughs> because that that's going to be the title of this episode. I can't wait to have more conversations with you when we're done recording this episode because I have a lot of questions. <laughs> and I am an expert in Pangea and we'll answer them all. Um, we'll be next next week to talk more about the Clone Wars and the Outsider and Pangea. Let's see, the Geek Dudes won't have, <laughs> the Geek Dudes won't have an episode this week because they're every other week, so we won't have that to talk about. But um. God damn it. Listen to the Geek Dudes, I guess. But, like, listen to it and hate them. That's the way to listen to it. Um, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to the show. You can email us, cantobitepod at gmail.com, if you have questions or things you want to tell us or things you want us to talk about, whatever. Or you can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at cantobitepod. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at EFLind. Brittany, where are you? I'm on Instagram as Brittany the Ginger. There we go. That's our show. Lost Mystery of Pangea. What were we talking about? It's a mystery. That's what the word mystery means. You'll never know. It's exciting. Um, I don't know how to end the podcast now, but I guess we'll talk to you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Ghetto bitch number one doing it fulcrum style. Uh, check it out. Listen up, y'all, cause this is it. Fuck all the rest, be a Ghetto bitch. Brittany the Ginge and Emily Lynn. Bet on these two to show place and win. These are the girls you've been looking for. Unique takes on Star Wars and more. Listen every week for laughs and fun. Take it from me, Ghetto bitch number one. All my girls at... Yes. All my girls at...
Kanto Brick. They got the goods and I just can't quit. How do you become a bitch like me? Hot got you gotta download CBD. Send emails, just listen and chill. Give them some names to fuck Mary Kill. Ask them a question or send a top three. Mine is Lindo, Brittany, and me.